Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, For you parents and family that are visiting with us today, like Chris said earlier, we really do have a pretty simple mission here at the church, and that's to love God to love people and to do our best to live authentic. And you're seeing authentic family come together. You know, the church really is supposed to be a family. So I love Sundays like this, and I love seeing the kids come in and uh, and just be kids. And you know, one of the things that I love about Jesus is he was so inviting and so unreligious that they had a hard time keeping the kids off of him. His disciples are like, get those kids. And Jesus is like, no, don't get the kids. They're fine. Bring them to me. Unless you guys can come to me as your savior, like one of these little kids, and you're not going to taste heaven. And so I just think it's beautiful with the kids coming. Well, I am, uh, I'm going to, I have a Christmas message for you today. Um, you're going to have to follow along. And usually I, I, I love the slides that we do. Usually you're going to follow, but today you're just going to have to have really good listening ears, all right? And so if you have your Bibles with you, uh, or if you have your Bible on your phone or your iPad or whatever, we're going to go ahead and take a look at Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, and we're basically going to take a look, another look at the Christmas story that we just heard from the kiddos, and hopefully today you leave with something. I, I always have a, a, a desire in my heart uh, when I come to church or when I'm hearing somebody share the word of God, I'm always asking, Lord, what do you want to speak to me? What do you want to speak to me today? So why don't we just pray that prayer and let's just ask the Lord to show up and speak to us today. Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now. We thank you. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for our children, God. Thank you for this beautiful community of faith that you formed, God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that as we go through the word today, as we read from your holy scriptures and go back through the greatest story that's ever been told, God, I pray that you'd show us something we never saw before. God, that you'd speak to us today. I pray you'd give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, give us minds that are fresh with revelation, that can understand things we never understood before. And Lord, I pray for hearts to believe you at your word. I pray for a spirit of faith, in this house today to rise up. Speak to us, Lord. We're listening. We're longing to encounter you today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen, amen. All right, Matthew chapter 2. We're starting a Christmas series that, that I titled The Thrill of Hope. How many know that the world needs more hope right now? Amen. We live in a time where hope seems to be at an all-time low for a lot of people. And good news for you Christians, you guys are called to be dealers of hope, all right? Everywhere you go, you're dealing hope. You're giving it away like you were made of it. And Matthew chapter 2 records the story of the wise men in coming and doing and in, in taking part in their journey, which we heard a little bit about this morning. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, and I'm going to be reading out of the ESV, the English Standard Version, if you have your your uh, uh, version Bible app, you can follow along. Matthew chapter 2, and it says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born 
the king of the Jews. For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. Jerusalem at that time in terms of population, um, some scholars say it was as low as 40,000 at its lowest point in, in the days of Jesus. Some say to, as much as 70,000, and then it would swell up to about a quarter of a million people when they would have the high holy days and the festivals. But all of Jerusalem, I found that interesting that, that not only was Herod troubled, but all of Jerusalem was troubled. Who is this, this king of the Jews that they're talking about? Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And then in verse 4, in assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, they're quoting Micah chapter 5, verse 2, says, O you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and he pulled them together and, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. So here's Herod, and he grabs the wise men and comes over because he does it in secret because he doesn't want anybody else to know because Herod has a plot that he's going to unfold, as we'll read in the scriptures here this morning, where he actually has a plan to go kill all the babies, whoever this baby was that was born that was supposed to be the ruler because he himself wanted to be the ruler. So he grabs the wise men and he pulls them close and he asks them, and they tell him, they, 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 he ascertains for this what time the star had appeared. And then in verse 8, then he sends them away to Bethlehem and he tells them, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. He's just lying to them. He had no intention of worshiping Jesus. After listening to the king, the wise men went on their way, and behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. The star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Everybody say, great joy. Great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child. Notice it doesn't say baby. Notice it doesn't say manger. They went into the house. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. I titled this first message in our series, A Thrill of Hope, I titled it Exceedingly Great Joy. It's one thing to have joy. It's another thing to have great joy. But I think it's something else when you have exceedingly great joy. So here's the scene. So Jesus is born the wise men get this notification. They leave wherever they were in Persia. They came from the east, and they traveled all this way, and they come, and there's Herod. Herod hears about Jesus. He is troubled. The wise men heard about Jesus, and they're thrilled. And when they meet him, they're filled with exceedingly great joy. The dichotomy, the two different perspectives on things. And I know this, the number one enemy of our joy in life is self-centeredness. 
Self-centeredness will rob us all of joy. If we want to have exceedingly great joy, we have to be mindful of not being too self-centered. So in this story, you have Herod. Now let me tell you a little bit about Herod. Herod was a self-centered, narcissistic ruler. Life was all about him. And this guy Herod, he's not like some fictitious character, okay? He's not Scrooge. This guy Herod actually really lived. He was an actual ruler of that area. And uh, when you read the Bible, there's six Herods in the Bible. This is the first one. So there's six Herods. There's kind of a lineage there if you look up uh, the, the six different Herods. The first one, uh, he was known as Herod the Great. And if, if anybody knows why he was called Herod the Great, um, you know that he named himself that. <laughs> He called himself Herod the Great because he wanted to be great. And so Herod the Great, he's, he's the one that's ruling at this time. After him came Herod Archelaus, um, and he was one of the three sons of Herod the Great that's mentioned in the Bible. Uh, Herod Archelaus was the time where um, uh, he, 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 was, he got half of the territory after his father, and his rule was done, and he split the other two parts of the territory with his brother Herod Antipas, uh, who Jesus called the fox. He got a quarter of it. Herod Antipas is the one who killed John the Baptist. And then there was also uh, Herod the Tetrarch, or Herod Philip. Uh, Tetrarch means four. He got a quarter of the remaining territory. So Herod has all these great things. And then you go Her Agrippa I and Agrippa II. Those are Herod. Herod Agrippa II uh, was the one that Paul was appealing to uh, when he was trying to go in, 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 uh, in to, into Rome. And so he appears before him in Festus and in the book of Acts. So he's Herod the Great. So Herod the Great. So a few things about Herod the Great. Um, he, he built some things uh, that remain there to this day, but the things that he built, noticeably the things that remained, interestingly enough, are actually things that he built really for manipulation. So he was a conniver, a manipulator, and he built this place called Caesarea, this little town and I've been there. Some of you that have traveled to Israel have probably been there. It's a port city. It's about 80 miles north of Tel Aviv. And I've stood in that area. I stood on the steps of his pool that he created himself where the waves would come and they'd crash in and they'd create this kind of spa-like pool there for his palace. Uh, he's long gone and I got to go visit it and, and, and take in the wonders of that area. So he built Caesarea. He called it Caesarea after Caesar. Why? To try to obtain favor with somebody above him. He was all about himself, his reputation, what everybody thought of him. Then he also built a city called Masada. Some of you have maybe been to Masada on your travels to Israel. Masada was a, kind of like a spa area. Uh, it was his second palace, and it's actually built up in the mountains, uh, up in the high desert area, and it overlooks the Dead Sea. And when you get up there, the weather is, the temperature is so much better, and, and he had this place that he built. And then the third area that he's known for that he built was actually what we would know today as the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall, and it was when he expanded the Temple Mount. So he built Caesarea to gain favor with Caesar, who was above him. He built, he expanded the Temple Mount to gain favor from the Jews who were below him. So everything he did was manipulation. In fact, the, the, the wall, he didn't build it as a prayer wall. It was actually just a retaining wall. Because as he expanded the temple, they need to have more space, and it's a retaining wall. And that is the place where the Jews go and pray today. The only reason the Jews don't go in the temple anymore is because they're not allowed to, because the Muslims have control of that, and they will not uh, allow the Jewish people in. So the closest spot that they could get to the temple to pray is where the wailing wall is to this day. So a few things that he did. But he was, he was, he was a crazy guy. Uh, he actually 
killed every one of his wives. So he had multiple wives. When he was younger, he exiled them. When he was older, then he killed them. So the guy's nuts. He's mad. And, and so there was a story actually where his servants, they're at a dinner party, and his servants are at one end of the table and they're whispering because they don't want to disturb him because he's manic. And he doesn't, if he was too loud during dinner, he'd flip out. And so they're whispering, well, Herod's at this end of the table thinks they're talking about me. They're plotting something. Takes them all out and has them killed because he thought they were talking about him. They weren't talking about him. They were just talking quietly because they didn't want to disturb him. So he's just this manic guy. And uh, he married a woman. His wife was one of his wives, his favorite wife, he called her, was Miriam. Um, Jesus' mother, Mary, her, her real name was Miriam. We know her as Mary, but her real name was Miriam. Uh, she was obviously not married to Herod, okay? But he married Miriam, and he said that even though he killed her, he regretted it because she really was his, fa- his favorite wife, which is just, the guy's nuts, right? But he killed his favorite wife, okay? And in Matthew 2.16, it says when, when Herod, as manic as he is, when he finds out that the wise men went home a different way, that they didn't come and they didn't do what he told them to do and come back to him, when he finds this out, he, he, he flips out when he finds out that he was tricked. And what does he do? He sent and he killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old or under. Why two years old? Because earlier in the chapter we just read, when he pulled the wise men in, he said, hey, when did this star appear? The wise men told him, well, the star appeared roughly probably about two years before they were physically there. So that's why scholars believe that Jesus was probably about two years old. Notice in, 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 in when the wise men come in to say, it says the young child. It doesn't say the baby. Now, if I just totally shattered your beautiful nativity scene that you have at home, I apologize I love the nativity scene. I love the wise men coming to baby Jesus. Um, I'm such a fan of nativity scenes. I think we should put them up on every piece of government property in the state of California, okay? I'm a fan of the nativity scenes. But the truth is, the wise men actually weren't there at the nativity scene. They were, they were there when Jesus was a little bit older. Mary and Joseph, it didn't say that they were in the stable anymore. They were in the house, and so Herod commits this horrible atrocity uh, based on population size in that day and the number of children because obviously Mary and Joseph went there and there was a, a census that took place in Bethlehem based on the census and, and history would tell us it was probably about two dozen children that were murdered by this guy. So the guy's horrific. The guy's killing babies. He's killing his wife. In fact, the day that he made the, the announcement to go and kill all the babies that same day, he actually had his own son put to death because they called him. They said in Jerusalem there was uh, the, these whispers going around, these rumors going around that there's Herod the Great, but man, there's a real gift of leadership on his son's life. He's going to be Herod the Greater. And the same day that he went in just a manic rage and had the babies killed in Bethlehem, he also sent and had his own son killed. Notable is the fact that five days later, uh, actually that same day, he was struck with a a disease. Five days later, he's dead. Herodagrip is done, and then one of his sons, Archelaus, ended up taking over, and that's when the kingdom gets split up. So why do I tell you this? Um, When you're self-centered, when you're emotional, you'll make decisions that could steal your joy. 
And we're in a beautiful season. I love Christmas. I love waking up. I love coming down and sitting in my chair. I love getting my cup of coffee that's now in a Santa Claus mug and, and sitting in front of the beautiful lights of my Christmas tree, turning on the fireplace because we don't build fires here in California. At least not many of us do. We turn it on. So turn on the fireplace, the easiest source of heat. Light my scented candle that smells like balsam fir, right? You know, just the whole scene, right? I just love it all. I just, I, I love it all. The thief of joy would be if we were just consumed about ourselves, especially, especially at Christmas. And if you've gone through a tough year, one of the best ways to get out of a tough year is to focus on somebody else. Just focus on somebody else. So we have Herod, who's absolutely nuts. And then you have the contrast, the stark contrast, the wise men and the star. So the, let me tell you about this star. So um, the, 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 the wise men are coming from Persia. Um, it was about a thousand mile journey. It took about six to nine months to complete. So it said that at the beginning of the, of the chapter, it says that when they saw the star, then they, they came out. How in the world, a thousand miles away, did they see a star that led them to that area? And they, they ended up coming to Jerusalem, which was the capital city, so it made sense. But how did they know? I'll tell you how they know. So they're, they're the wise men. They're also known as magi. It's where we get our word magician from, magi. And the magi were actually uh, descendants. If you go back through, the father of the magi was a guy named Balaam. Balaam, if you're familiar with the story back in Numbers 22, 23, 24, there's a guy named Balaam. Now, he's not Jewish that we know of. He's not Israelite. And he gets hired by the king of Moab, this guy named Balak. King Balak hires him and says, Balaam, you're a spiritual man. We've heard things about you. I want you to come and curse the children of Israel. I want you to curse them. So Balaam's like, all right, cool. And this guy's going to fill his pockets fat. He's excited. This is a payday. He's a paycheck player. And man, he's about to cash in, okay? So he gets up and he's like, okay, you go over there, and he tries to get holy, and he's ready to pronounce a curse over the children of Israel, and as he begins to speak, he ends up in the book of Numbers, you'll read about it, pronouncing four blessings over the children of Israel. It's like every time he went to curse them, that word started to come out, and then it was a blessing. Four times. Curse a bless, right? You know, and so some of you are like, man, I could use that. I don't want to curse anymore. I want to start speaking more blessing. Ask the Holy Spirit. He'll help you get rid of it, all right? And so, so he's like ready to curse them, and then, yeah, and out comes a blessing. He's like, man. And Balak's like, what are you doing? I'm not paying you to bless them. I'm paying you to curse them. So go curse them. So Balaam's like, man, maybe it's this spot. I don't, maybe we need to go over here. So he comes over to this spot, and he's overlooking the valley. And then again, and then he cur goes to curse him, and he pronounces a blessing. Four times this happens, and every time he just kept blessing the children of Israel. And then the last, the last blessing, he actually says that a Messiah would come out of Judah and that the sign would be a star and that the star would herald his birth. So Balaam says that, okay? So let's get back to the Magi, the wise men. So the wise men, now these, these, are, these are sophisticated individuals. They're, they not only have money, but they have uh, intelligence. And they are 
waiting, and they know about a prophecy, not from the Holy Scriptures. They know about the prophecy because of Balaam. Balaam, and during the time of Daniel, all this stuff starts getting formed together in history books. And so the descendants of Balaam, the, the, the father of that movement, come the Magi. And so the Magi see the star. Now, we don't know if it was an actual star. I have my own thought based on the millions and millions and millions of angels that probably showed up and blew the minds of those shepherds in the fields in the entire world. It could be potentially that they saw that. Some experts in, in astronomy said that during, if you go back and look at history, during that time there was actually an alignment of planets. That could have been the star that they saw. Uh, we know that stars in the Bible also refer to angels. In the book of Revelation, we read about how angels are called star. Jesus is called the bright and morning star, okay? And it says that they followed the star and as it went. Well, I don't know about you, but any star I see, it doesn't went. I mean, I know it's technically, it's technically going somewhere, right? But it's not like you go outside and you're like, okay, we're following the star, right? It's like, no, tonight the North Star is going to be here, the North Star is going to be there. But they followed the star and went, and then the star rested over their house. Now, was it an actual star, an angel? I don't know. That's something that you guys can argue over coffee or lunch today, okay? Nobody really knows, but, but it's, it's worth noting that that star could have been one of those. It could have actually been an angel. And so Jesus is born, and the wise men come, and they were filled with exceedingly great joy when they see him. Now, I don't know about you, but, but I get happy or joyous when my Seahawks score a touchdown, okay? Uh, you, 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 might get, you might be filled with exceedingly great joy when whoever it is, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, pick your poison, uh, whenever one of those guys has a great game. Uh, ladies, you might be filled with exceedingly great joy when you walk in and you see those shoes that you've been eyeing are now 50% off, right? That may, that may be your level. It's like when Fawn comes home with a bag, and I'm like, hi, what's that? You know, she's like, it was on sale. I'm like, oh, honey, no, I, 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 know, I know it was on sale. The fact that you walked in the door with anything tells me it was on sale. <laughs> but it was still money out, you know. <laughs> but it was on sale, right? Every husband's like, yeah, I know, it's, it's always on sale, right? Yeah, there's always, that's why you never buy things full price at Macy's, because like in a few weeks it's going to be 50% off, right? There's always a sale, right? And it says they walk in and, 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 and here's the stark contrast. Herod is freaking out. He's manic. He's worried. He's troubled. The wise men see Jesus, and it said they fell down and worship him. That word fell down in the Greek, it's, it's actually it's two words in the English. It's one word in the Greek. But the literal meaning for that fell down, it would be as if I took like a, like a vase, and I grabbed it, and I just threw it down, and I shattered it. That's literally, that, that word fell down. That's what, they fell down. They just worshiped, like they were thrusted down with worship to the king of kings. When they came into contact with Jesus, they worshiped him. They fell down before him. And what did they do? They gave him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They worshiped exuberantly. And you know, two, two keys that we see from the wise men here, if you want to have exceedingly great joy, worship exuberantly, 
and give extravagantly. Worship exuberantly and give extravagantly. I know no person that worships exuberantly and gives extravagantly that's not the most happy, joyous person you've ever met. In fact, the most happy and joyous people I know are the ones that are the biggest worshipers and some of the biggest givers. And mind you, it's not the amount of money. The widow had two mites and she gave, right? It's not an amount of money. Last week we had our legacy offering, which was awesome. And uh, if you took part in that, um, I really believe God's gonna bless you. That's an offering that you gave is unto the Lord. And by the way, the legacy offering is not to keep the lights on in authentic church, okay? The tithes every single month take care of that. The legacy offering is something where we are reaching for, we're sowing into people that we've never met yet. It's about people. And if you'd like to continue to give in the legacy offering, you can totally do that. You can do it online or envelopes in the back or what have you. But uh, you guys were so generous Uh, I got a report on Friday of the amount of generosity that you guys collectively gave, and it was over 20, it was $20,787.40 that you guys gave, which is awesome. That's going to impact the generations. It's going to help us reach people that we're not reaching, and it's actually going to prepare us for a future building that the Lord would have for Authentic Church. So So here's the key with the wise men. So they give extravagantly. They worshiped exuberantly. You know, before they gave, before they worshiped, they had to go to somebody else to learn the scriptures. Remember, the star appeared to them. They had the prophecy that came down through Balaam that led them all the way to Jerusalem. They think they're going to the right spot. They go to Jerusalem, which was the capital city. That's obviously where he's going to be. And they go, no, that's actually not it. And they say, well, where is it going to be? And the, 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 the scribes of the day, they open the book and they realize, oh, Micah 5. Okay, Micah 5, 2, it says that he's going to come out of Bethlehem. And they're like, oh, okay. Before they worshiped and gave, they needed somebody else to help them hear God. After they worship and gave, if you read on, what does it say? They were warned in a dream. God directly spoke to them after they worshiped exuberantly, gave extravagantly, they heard God. God warned them in a dream, don't go back that way, go a different way. You want to hear God more in this season? Worship. Be generous. You want to have greater joy? Worship. Live generous. So they're there and they're traveling, they say, open the treasury, and they bring out gold. They bring out frankincense, they bring out myrrh. The gold represented his royalty. He's the king of kings. His royalty. Frankincense, his divinity, and myrrh, his humanity. So his royalty, so they give him gold as the king of kings. They give him frankincense, his divinity. Prayers go up like incense before the Lord. Frankincense would be smelt, and everybody in the house would be able to smell the frankincense. And then myrrh, his humanity. It said in John 19, when they go to anoint the body of Jesus, they bring myrrh with him and they anoint him. So the same thing that he was given as a toddler when he was coming into this world is the the last thing that touches his body before he's laid to rest. For our kids, you know, Christmas time is 
you know, it's crazy with five kids and two grandkids. Like, it's nuts at the Peterson house, okay? If you want five degrees of crazy, come to our house on Christmas morning, okay? Presents and everything everywhere. And years ago, Fawn and I, we instituted this policy with our kids that from us, because they get spoiled so much by the grandparents, because when you're a grandparent, the best thing is you can just buy every loud, noisy, obnoxious gift that you, the, the grandkids want, and you just give it. And you're like, praise God, and we'll keep it at your house, right, you know? <laughs> and so because our kids get so many presents from everybody else, uh, we, we decided, you know what, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to give them gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And parents, this is going to save you a lot of money, and it's also going to help you just be more on target with your spending <laughs> over Christmas. So we give our kids, they have a gold gift, and that's like something they really want, right? Like a bicycle or something, right? That's a gold gift. And then frankincense, now that's something they got to share, because frankincense, everybody would partake in frankincense. Everybody could smell it in the house, right? And so that's, some, that's a share gift. That's like a game or a toy or something that everybody's going to be able to use. And then the myrrh gift is the need gift. That's usually like you know, socks and underwear, right? You know, it's like, you know, like, but Fawn kind of stretches it a little bit. She's like, but honey, the girls, they really need their mascara. You know, it's like, that's not a need gift. That's not a need gift to me, you know? They really need this. And then I flip-flop, and I'm like, babe, I know we already got a gold gift, but I think August really needs this, right, you know? And so we go back and forth like that. But gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So Jesus is presented as a, as a child. His parents are presented with these gifts as they fall down and they worship him. Royalty, his divinity, his humanity. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 25, Later on, he said, if you want to save your life, you're going to have to lose it. If you lose your life for my sake, you're actually going to find it. You're going to get saved. And you have these two contrasting views between Herod and the wise men who come to worship. Herod's manic. It's all about him. It's all about control. It's got to be his way or the highway. He won't relinquish control. Everything's about him, how I want to do it, I want you to do, and he's focused on controlling people and situations. I just want to encourage you, if you want to have peace over the holidays, you're going to have to give up some control. The best thing you can do, men, is to give up control. The best thing you can do, husbands, give up control. As a dad, give up some control. And it's so hard to do because there's an aspect inside of all of us we want to control. <laughs> I do. Don't you want to control? I want to control what the weather's like. I want to control what I'm eating for breakfast. I want to control everything around me. But the contrasting spirit is Jesus. He, he came and he, he just gave it all away. And he entrusted you and I with the task of loving people, of serving people. He was the greatest servant of all. He was the greatest servant of all. And so that Herodian spirit, and that's really what it is, this Herodian spirit that says, it's all about me, it's I, I'm in control, I want to control you, I want to control the situation. You know, maybe there's a government that's like that. I don't know, somewhere in the world there may be a government that may want to just control you, right? That's a Herodian spirit. That's nothing new. <laughs> this has been around for thousands of years. The same battles that you're fighting today, other people have fought years ago. And Jesus comes to us and he says, there's a better way. There's a better way. And I just want to encourage us today, as you think about what your Christmas is going to look like, 
when you think about the joy that you want to have. Just reverse engineer. How do you want to end 2021? Do you want to look back filled with a bunch of regret? Or do you want to walk into 2022 with so much peace, just feeling, man, I came to terms with God. I gave up control. I stopped fighting God. I started following him. You know, I believe maybe it wasn't a star that led you today, although some of you came and maybe you're the family of one of the beautiful, cute little star uh, bearers that were up here holding the stars and looking all cute. Maybe it was a star that brought you today. I believe the Holy Spirit brought you today. I really do believe that. I believe God is doing something in this area. I believe he's building his church. I believe it's no accident that you came to a kid's program today and you saw the Christmas story presented in a way you probably have never seen before. (laughs) And heard a message on this Christ child that was born. You know, the message of Christmas, it's cute, it's fun, it's beautiful. I love it. But really, Jesus was born for a purpose, to die for your sins. And we forget that. We can forget that on all the pageantry and the fun. The real reason he came at that moment in time is because it was time. It was time for the world to encounter Jesus. And this morning, I want to encourage you, it's time. It's time. It's time for you to encounter Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here and you've been fighting it. You've been trying to control things and people and situations. How's that going? You're going to have to relinquish control. So I'm going to have the band come up as we close out this morning. And I just want to ask you that question. Is there anything that you need to let go of? Anything you're gripping and holding on to too tight? Is there anything in your life where you're like, you know what, God, I need to give this over to you? Internationally, the sign of surrender is just putting your hands up. <laughs> it's just, it's just, I give up. Some of you in the past, maybe you've laid some things down. You say, all right, God, I'm not going to fight anymore. I'm laying that down. But you never put your hands up in full surrender, in full worship. And if you're sitting here today and you just want to pray that prayer and invite Jesus into your life, if you want to relinquish control, I'm going to lead you in a prayer today and it's going to change your life. It's the first step in the process, though. The process really is surrendering to him every day. And all through this holiday season, it says, Lord, I'm not going to hold on to that too tight. Expectations from family, friends, in-laws, outlaws. <laughs> I'm going to relinquish control. Situations with exes and relinquishing control. Lord, I'm not going to allow that to affect me. Right now, I just believe the Lord's speaking to you. And he's calling you to come closer to him. And he says, hey, I receive all those things. Lay them down. And just put your hands up in worship. As we close today, let's just all stand to our feet. We just tell him that he's worthy.
Jesus, you're worthy today. Jesus, we give you control today. We relinquish our control. I thank you, Father, for your peace flooding into hearts and minds, flooding into situations. I thank you for joy coming into individuals' lives. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, God. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we just give it all to you this morning. And if you're here and you'd say, man, I could use some hope. <laughs> I could use some joy in my life. Just raise your hand. We're just going to pray for you. Just go ahead and raise your hand if you, if you need more joy in this season. If you need some hope in this season. If you see somebody with their hand raised, just put, their, put your hand on them if you would. If you're next to them. We're just going to pray over them. God, we thank you for this person. God, I thank you for filling them with greater hope. Thank you for filling them with greater joy. I thank you, Father, for removing the attacks of the enemy. God, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. We bind the plans of the enemy over their life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we command depression to go. In Jesus' mighty name, we command every attack of the enemy to cease and stop. In the name of Jesus. We just right now, we just release hope. We release joy into them. God, we pray for that spirit of joy. I thank yes, you that one of the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit is joy. So, God, we pray joy into them. God, we pray that you'd fill them with joy. Overwhelming, exceedingly great joy. God, that you would fill them, God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit coming today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening.